Our scripture this morning comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 17. We'll be in verses 17 through 19 this morning. Again, that's John 17, verses 17 through 19. If you uh, didn't bring your Bible with you, we have pew Bibles there. They're the black Bibles, and you can find it on page 1074 this morning. Uh, For those of you that have been going through this with us since the beginning of the year, uh, it took us two months to turn the page on this scripture. Uh, But here we are. Nevertheless, we got there. If you are new or visiting with us and you don't own a Bible, I encourage you to read along with us as we listen to Jesus's prayer here. And then we also want you to take that Bible if you don't own one. It's our gift to you. We believe in the word of God and its power. Uh, It's not stealing from us. We actually expect people that don't have Bibles to take this one with them. So that is the expectation. If you don't own one, take it with you so you have something to read uh, when you get home later. Now let us hear the prayer of Jesus in John 17, verse 17 through 19. Sanctify them in the truth. Your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, so I have sent them into the world. And for their sake, I consecrate myself, that they also may be sanctified in truth. Here ends the reading of God's holy word. Let us go to God now in prayer. O holy God... May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. It's sometimes that this occurs, that as you're reading scripture, Jesus or somebody else uses a word that makes you go, huh? Or you need a bit of clarification as to what exactly is is meant by this word, and, and you recall other places that sanctified and, and sanctification and sanctified is used throughout Scripture, and so through context clues, we're able to put a bit of it together, but in 2020, with the help of Google, we can just look on our phones right now while the pastor's speaking if we have no clue what's going on, but to save you the trouble in order, and help you pay attention to the fullness of the sermon, I'll give you definitions this morning. Now, within Scripture, there's three terms that are used to describe kind, uh, to talk about salvation in different ways. There's justification, there's sanctification, and there's glorification. Now, the thing with each one of these terms, they also must go in order. For sanctification is this process of becoming holy, of becoming Christ-like. And you can't be sanctified before you're justified, right? That's works-based righteousness. That's you trying to prove your worthiness, trying to earn your salvation, and saying, look how Christ-like I am, therefore now I can be justified. It's justification, sanctification, and then glorification. Now, justification is this. Justification refers to our legal standing before God. Without Christ, without faith in Christ, our legal standard standing before God is that of sinner who deserves punishment for our rebellion against God, for our refusal to uphold his statutes. With Christ, we are then justified. Our legal standing is changed from sinner to one who is justified, who is now right with God. We are no longer enemies of God, but we are now adopted as his children. 
Our whole standing before God has changed. And it's a once for all time thing. Justification isn't something that happens now and then happens again in 20 years or it happened to me at age three and it'll happen again in 19 or it happened back in 1956. It was a once for all moment. It was that very moment Jesus hung on the cross and took his last breath when he shed his blood as an atonement for sins. That is the moment of justification. The moment of our faith may when we come to faith in Jesus may differ, but justification happened as a once for all. There's no need for additional sacrifice to be made for you to be justified. Now, in justification, it's entirely God's work. Entirely God. It was Jesus who died on the cross and was resurrected. It's entirely God's work. We talked about it last week when we talked about regeneration and being born again, that we had nothing to do with our first birth, and so our second birth is likewise, that the Holy Spirit acts upon us, and, and, and then we come to faith in Christ. And justification is perfect in this life. It's perfect. It's the perfect, supreme, sufficient work of Christ on the cross. Nothing needs to be added to it. Nothing taken away. It's perfect. And the justification is the same for all Christians. No one person is more justified than another. For when we come to faith in Christ, that's why we say there is neither male nor female, Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And this is based off our justification, that we are all the same in Christ. Now, sanctification, sanctification is different than justification. Sanctification is an internal condition. It's a continuous process throughout life. It is grace in process. It's this changing from our sinful self as being rebels to God, once enemies and, and hating the salvation Jesus offered us, to loving Christ and living to be more like him throughout it. And with that, we cooperate with God. God works on us through God the Father, God the Son, and God the Spirit, but we cooperate in our sanctification. We have a passive and an active role to play in it. There's a cooperation there. And here's the thing, it's not perfect in this life. We'll spend our whole lives striving to be sanctified, to be made holy, to be like Jesus. But we will not attain perfection in this life. And so in some, their sanctification is greater than in others. And this has no bearing on how much God loves you, that he loves others in some degrees more than you. That's not the case. Sanctification is merely different. For some of us are more rebellious and stubborn and require God and the Son and the Holy Spirit to drag us along. And some of us are more willing to submit to where God is leading. And then there's glorification. Glorification is the completeness of salvation. It is when Christ comes back and we get to spend eternity in heaven that in glorification, we are now officially free from the presence of sin. 
There is no sin found in the presence of God in heaven. We are free from the presence. When we are justified, we're free from the bondage of the penalty for it. As we're being sanctified, we're turning from it and freeing ourselves in this life while it is still in our presence. And in glorification, it is no longer even around us because we are in the presence of the most high and holy God in heaven with him. And so sin is gone. And it's the fullness of our salvation. It's, it's complete. It's perfect in heaven. This is where we are made perfect. It's in our glorification. And so it is so. All who are justified will be glorified. Now, understanding the difference in these three, in these three Bible terms, it allows us to study a bit differently what Jesus is praying here, understanding when he then prays, sanctify them, we can go a bit more in depth. And it's in this part of Jesus's prayer, he isn't praying for justification and he isn't praying for glorification. He prays that his disciples, his followers, his believers would be sanctified, that we would be made progressively more free from sin. That we would sin less each day. That each time we open the word of God, we would be convicted of a truth of a sin that we have committed or a sin by omission and repent from it. And each day we are drawn nearer and nearer to God. And each day we are progressively more like Christ in our actual lives in this world. This is the sanctification. And Jesus prays for this. He prays for this after he had just prayed that they will be hated, protect them, that they are not of the world, in which last week we talked about regeneration. For you see, sanctification happens at that very moment we are regenerated. Sanctification begins at regeneration. And the process of being made holy, of sanctification, doesn't end in that moment. It's continuous throughout our lives. And so it's this understanding that we are not living to be like Christ, so we are worthy of salvation, for we have already been justified. We've already been made new in Christ. That we are now in a process of sanctification to be made holy, to be more like Jesus, because it brings glory to God. That it sets us apart from the world. And we look more like Jesus and less like the culture around us. Paul writes in his second letter to the Corinthians, in chapter 3, verse 18, he says, And we all, with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And he says also in Philippians chapter 3, if I can get there, Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 16, he says, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect. I mean, did you hear Paul's words here for a second? This is Paul, the apostle Paul. The Apostle Paul, the one who went on the missionary journeys that started all these churches that wrote half of the New Testament. The Apostle Paul who trained up elders and leaders in churches and proclaimed the gospel all around the world. That Apostle Paul, the one that we look up to and say, man, I wish I could do what Paul did. 
This Paul, he's saying, I have not obtained this. I am not already perfect. Oh, thank God. Thank God. Thank God perfection is not placed upon us to obtain in this life, but that it will be done in completeness by God. But he goes on, he says, but I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own. But one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal of the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true what we have attained. Paul here... he. He says he's not perfect. He hasn't obtained this. And perfection is going to be with, beyond his reach, but he continues to press on. He continues moving forward. He continues to progressively try to imitate Christ all he can and continually goes to God seeking to be refined, to be disciplined, to be more like Christ with each passing day. Now, in sanctification where God and man cooperate together. It's where God plays a role and we play a role. And God's role is God the Father. One of his roles is to discipline his children. We often struggle with this. We struggled with it when we were toddlers and our parents disciplined us. We couldn't understand why we couldn't do things the way we wanted to do them, why we couldn't express feelings the way we wanted to, why we couldn't climb on the counter and pull all the dishes out of the cabinet. We couldn't figure out why after church in our Sunday best, we couldn't go over to John's house as he was getting new sod laid down and roll in the mud and then come home and, every, and mom and dad are upset. Why would that be? We can't understand these things, and, but here it is with God. God one of his roles in our sanctification is to discipline us, to correct us and guide us and lead us when we have taken missteps, when we have moved outside of the boundaries of who he calls us to be. For you see, he calls us from the world to himself. He calls us to be set apart, to be different from the world. Yes, yes, God loves us. And God has called us from the world to himself to be set apart but not to look like the world, but so that we look like Christ. Because God loves us, it does not mean that anything goes in our lives. That because simply we've been justified, now we have been given carte blanche to live as we wish, to do as we want, to give in to the desires of our own belly. But rather, we are called to holiness. We are called to sanctification. And so he disciplines us. And the scriptures talk of this in Hebrews chapter 12. I want to read to you verses 5 through 11. And have you forgotten the exhortation that addresses you as sons? The author writes, My son, do not regard lightly the discipline of the Lord, nor be weary when reproved by him. For the Lord disciplines the one he loves and chastises every son whom he receives. It is for discipline that you have to endure God is treating you as sons. For what son is there whom his father does not discipline? If you are left without discipline, in which we all have participated, then you are illegitimate children 
and not sons. Besides this, we have had earthly fathers who disciplined us and we respected them. Shall we not much more be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they disciplined us for a short time and it seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good that we may share his holiness. For the moment, all discipline seems painful rather than pleasant. But later, it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness to those who have been trained by it. This is the discipline of God. And furthermore, verse 20 of chapter 13, Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of sheep, by the blood of eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will, working in us that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom glory forever and ever be. We are disciplined so we're not looking like the world, but so that we are equipped then to do the will of God. Scripture doesn't hide the truth. It's painful and very unpleasant in the moment. But when we get through it, we find great peace and joy and fulfillment. That's the Father's role, one of his roles in our sanctification. One of the roles of God the Son is Jesus Christ, is that he went to the cross as an atonement for our sins, that it was through Jesus that we are justified and we can begin sanctification. And it is Jesus who is the example that we try to attain, that we attempt to become like, to imitate him. And then it's the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that's been given to us to help guide us, to lead us, to be our helper in times of trouble, to be the one who counsels us, to be the one who gives us courage, to be the one who gives us the power to do the good and the will that God calls us to. It's the Holy Spirit that gives us the fruit that is good and pleasing in the sight of God. It's the Holy Spirit who acts on us. Now, our role in our sanctification is twofold. It's passive and it's active. See, it's passive in that we must yield to God and allow God to act upon us as he's going to, to discipline us, to give us the example, to justify us, and to allow the Holy Spirit to guide us and counsel us. And it's active in that we don't just get to sit back and say, okay, God, do with me what you want. I'll wait around. We have a role to play in this. For we do live in this world. And we are called to be ambassadors, to be a light to the world. We are called to present Christ, called to present his love, his grace, and his gospel. And so, instead of just sitting back, we have something to do. Paul writes about this in his letter to the Philippians. In the second chapter, verse 12, He says this, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, so now not only as in my presence, but much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Paul, Paul here, who's told us that that it's faith in Christ, that it is 
that is the Holy Spirit who comes and allows us to have faith, then tells us to work out our salvation, not to work out so that we can be saved, but to put some sweat equity in what God has done after justifying you. That we have work to do now that we belong to Christ. For here's the good news. God calls us while we were sinners and undeserving. But then God loves us so much that he's not just going to leave us there in that moment. That he wants us to change, to be more like Jesus in this life here and now. That we are to confess our sins and repent of them. That we are to love God and love others. And here's the kicker. Love our enemies and pray for them. Oh, we need lots of work on that. Also that we accept forgiveness and that we would then also be generous with forgiveness as the Lord has been generous with us. See, our active role in our sanctification is this striving. It's this pressing on that Paul speaks to. It's this working out of our salvation to be like Christ, to be holy, to be perfect as our Father in heaven is perfect. It's a sweat equity to be like Jesus, knowing we won't attain it in this life. But it's the upward calling of God in Jesus to do so. That the words of our mouths and the meditations of our hearts, that all of it would be acceptable in God's sight. See, the Bible doesn't offer us any shortcuts to sanctification. There's no easy way out, for it's a journey of faith. It's a grace in process. And so the time-honored means are true in how to work it out through scripture reading, meditation, prayer, fellowship, worship, together with believers. And now when we come back to Jesus' prayer and he says, sanctify them, we notice that he finishes that by saying in the truth. Your word is truth. And then in verse 19, he says, and for this sake I consecrate myself that they may also be sanctified in truth. See, Jesus points us back to scripture. He points us back to the word of God, that truth is not subjective. There is no my truth and your truth. There is the truth found in the word of God. And that's where the image of Christ is found. The one we're called to be like. The one we're called to strive towards. Because often, we can create a savior of our own imagination. We can create a savior that's willing to forgive some sins, but not all sins. Or allows us to hate some people and not forgive others. But to be like Christ, we must first know Christ. The true savior. The one revealed to us in God's holy word. The one who calls us from sin to holiness. Not one we've created to allow us to remain exactly as we were before. Jesus is not an insurance policy that we pay into and forget about to collect later. 
Jesus is someone who came when we least deserved it and saved us. And then out of our grateful thankfulness to what we did not deserve, we're called to live a life of holiness. To move away from who we were before Jesus and to be more like him each day. For you see, if our idea of Jesus doesn't match the Jesus found in Scripture, then we don't get to throw away the Scripture. We have to change our idea and our understanding of Jesus to match Scripture. See, this is especially true when we're being disciplined by God, for we come and we read Scripture, and sometimes it may be offensive to us. We may get in a defensive posture that, that God couldn't simply be calling me out on this. How could this be true, we wonder? Not my God. No, no, not my Jesus. We're often tempted to throw that scripture away and say, that does not speak to me. That is not for me. That does not affirm me. Yet in this book, there are very hard truths but they are the holy words of God, all acceptable for teaching, encouraging, and rebuking. So there's these moments when we get offended or defensive. Recognize those as moments where God is working on your sanctification, where he's looking to discipline you, pointing you to truth, hoping to convict you in your heart that you would confess and repent of it. Sometimes we scoff. We scoff at God's word as truth. We scoff at it that it could be calling us to change who we are. Simply declaring that we know better. Are we God? Are you God? I'm not God. Did you create the heavens and the earth? Did you acquire your own salvation from your sins and rebellion against God? Are you perfect? No. No. We are not God. You are not God. For this is right and true as scripture tells us in Romans 5.8. While we were yet sinners, not God, not holy, not perfect, but sinners. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He justified us. We didn't do it. Christ did. And this proves that God loves you. He may be calling you to a life that's radically different than the one you imagined. But he's calling you to one that is true. One that is holy. One that brings God glory. Amen.